Good afternoon, everyone. Like we always say the, uh, you know, it's a little bit cold, but you get more reward. The more, in spiritual things, the more efforts you put in, uh, the more, um, the more powerful they are, because the, according to the effort is the reward. It takes more effort to come to a Torah class on a, on a cold day, you know. So, okay. We're in chapter 24. Um, some people like these prophecies that are not simple, that are not so clear. Um, the truth is, even when they are super clear, it's not always that we really know it. We just think we know it. Uh, and then there are prophecies that we see, and it's very clear that we don't fully know it. Uh, but the reason some people like it is you can be creative and say, well, maybe it means this, or this sounds like that. But the only thing is we, don't, we won't know 100% because it's, uh, it's not always so clear which events he was referring to. And one of the rules that we mentioned uh, in the prophecies that were written down is that there must be something in it for us, that if they wrote it down, it must be something that future generations will benefit from. Um, many people learn that this is referring to Eretz Yisrael uh, with the destruction of the Beis HaMikdosh, and then at the end, referring to Messianic times, which is a constant theme of, of Yeshayahu, is that uh, uh, things in the future will be better, that there'll be redemption and things will get better. Um, that's part of the the ability to see temporary setbacks and see the, the long picture. Hazorim uh, Bedima, you know, if you plant with tears, you will reap with joy. And so he often will start off with the, you know, in the short term, there are setbacks, but let's look in the long term. But so he's talking about Eretz Yisrael and uh, the land of Israel. Uh, most people learn during the Gullus. And it certainly describes it that way, as we have known it, like during the centuries, really, uh, where the Jews have been dispersed. How about the Jews living in the land? So it says, He nay behold, uh, chapter 24. Behold, Hashem bokeka oretz uboka. Um, what's interesting is if you read the Hebrew, you pick up on the poetry. Poetry means that sometimes you write things with a certain rhyme and uh, you enjoy just the sound of the rhyme. <laughs> and there are things like that in Hebrew. And you do it all in English, you won't even realize that they sometimes do it, you know. But uh, Yeshayahu has that. They sometimes there's beautiful read, like if you read the Hebrew, it, the syllables. Uh, the, but um, uh, this is Bokeka Ortu Boka. The Eva Panaha Vehefitz Yoshevaha. It's Hashem will empty the land and destroy it. Uh, and he will make it look different, and scatter its inhabitants. One of the puzzles that the Western world has had is that everybody, many people have grown up with the Chumash, with the Bible, and it's a land flowing with milk and honey, and they know that historically the, all the great empires fought wars over, the, over Israel. And so then they would go to visit it, and it was like deserts. It was like nobody wanted it. Um, for centuries, it was like the uh, it was in the backwater. Like the um, some of the original people, when they came up with this idea of going to live in Israel, they said, "Who? It's not inhabitable. Like who would want to live? You know, it's like uh, there's no water. There's no." Um, and in our time, um, in really a very short amount of time, the land has come to life again. And now everybody wants it because <laughs> they they planted a few trees and they figured out the water and the, uh, and you go to Eretz Israel it's absolutely gorgeous you know you go places uh, but 
if you went there 50 years ago, it, it, was, it was desert, it was desolate. Uh, the, the Midbar, the wilderness took over. You know, when things are destroyed, uh, places that were very hospitable. Uh, one of the interesting things, uh, originally all they were able to grow were oranges. And they said, oh, there's this, so, someone, one stubborn person said, well, I read in the Bible about the great wines that they had in Israel, that, that it was a land with tirosh, with wine. Uh, I'll get it. Hello. Hello. Welcome. 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 You're welcome. So um, uh, they, uh, they, they said, well, the ancients had wine here, so why shouldn't we be able to have wine? And then the people in France, where they grow all the wine, they scoffed and they said, that's not a wine climate, that you're wasting your time. And you know what? Now Eretz Israel is very well known for good wines, and they're competing uh, with all the with all the great wines. Eretz Israel is, is competing on them because somebody had faith that the um, you know that you could grow wine there, you could grow grapes and have really good wine from Eretz Israel. Now they have to farm it in a different way. There are different techniques for farming in different uh, environments, but um, uh, we they knew that this land would uh, would uh, prosper or would grow. There's another theory that uh, since it was the land for the Jewish people, uh, that it would only uh, like thrive once we came back. It was like waiting for us. But it was like uh, if there, now there were a lot of Arab peoples, but nowhere near what would have happened had it, the land been bountiful uh, in all these years there wouldn't have been the possibility, there'd be nowhere to live because uh, the land would be full, but really Hashem kept it pretty empty uh, so that we could come back and, and rejuvenate it with Jews and make it uh, flower again. With, uh, um, but this is the description of that time, that Hashem will change the appearance of the land and the Jews will be scattered. Um, and it, it, it's an interesting theme. Sometimes when you go different places and you meet uh, you meet Jews everywhere, scattered. They're all over the place. You know, that, that's part of this prophecy is that we'll be scattered. Bahayu. Now, one of the challenges that we had, we know the second base Hamigdash was destroyed because of causeless hatred, which means that uh, the people basically kept the commandments. They kept Shabbos. They kept kosher. They gave charity. But uh, there was class hatred. There was uh, different people. And um, most people would say that we haven't made huge progress on that. Uh, meaning that, uh, um, you know what it is, everybody says, well, I don't have useless hatred. I hate somebody for a reason. <laughs> you know, that's, a, that's the... Uh, um, and, uh, but uh, it's really uh, one of the problems uh, in some societies are is that people view others to be of a different class. I'm a higher class and a lower class. You had to have experienced that sometime in life. There are certain places that, certain countries where it's like very clear, they have a caste system. Like, you know, how, you know, are, you know people look down at people that are not. And so, uh, unfortunately, the, the, the residents were guilty of seeing different people differently. And uh, it's very important not to fall into that kind of system that say, well, you know, he, that person is... is uh, um, and so one of the great equalizers was the exile. All of a sudden, uh, and so it says it like this, ka'am The people were like the Kohen, the priest. 
Ka'evid, like the servant. Ka'edona, like the master. Ka'shivka, like the maidservant. Ka'virta, like the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the boss of the maidservant. Ka'kona, the buyer, was like the seller. The lender was like the borrower. Ka'nosha, kasher, noshabo, the, uh, the one who bought on credit with the... In other words, people, if, if you have money and someone else doesn't, you look down at them. I'm one of the haves. He's a have-not. And uh, then a person has to really realize that we are all people. You know, it's, it's not about who has what stuff or what education or what their muzzle is right now. Uh, but this was the great, uh, the prediction is that when the destruction comes, there will no longer be these, you know, levels in society, the servants and the masters and the, and the, Kohe, the Kohanim and the, uh, everybody's going to be the same. That's the, that's the prophecy. Um, and then, uh, verse 3, uh, Hebuk Tibuk. And again, there's a certain poetry to it of Hebuk Tibuk means the land will be emptied. It'll be totally emptied out. Places that were full of population. Hebuk Tibuk Ha'oretz. V'hibus Tibus. It's so strange. These countries fought over it and then they left it. Very unusual. Uh, but that's what happened. The land will be emptied out. And Hebus Tibus and the the wealth of the land will be taken away. Ki Hashem Diber, Hashem commanded this thing. This was part of the prophecy that uh, Eretz Israel, this land that was so desirable and so bountiful, and uh, it would be emptied out. Of La Eretz, the land will be in mourning. It's, uh, again, it was like the weeping, you know, the land was crying for its inhabitants. If you read the books with the travelers in the, who traveled throughout the centuries, they, they felt that. They walk in Israel and it, like, you felt like the land was like, a, you know, was like somebody that had a loss. Where, where are my people? Where is the umlo um, novel and table? The, uh, the, it was desolate and despoiled. Um, he says, wretched and withered. They're just coming up with English words that are similar. The Umal Meirom Amar, it's from the, uh, the people of the land, where the land was like desolate for its inhabitants. And the land wasn't faithful to its inhabitants, because the people violated the laws. They didn't keep the Torah, especially the statutes. Statutes are the, there will always be laws that we don't understand. Those are the statutes. Um, there are mitzvahs that we, you know, we don't, we don't fully understand it or we have no, uh, but uh, the, uh, there are certain things that you do because that's what, that's what it is. Hey, few bris olam. They've uh, violated the covenant. We had a, a, a covenant or a connection to Hashem. Al-Kain Eila Ochlaretz. And um, because uh, one of the, the problems were that people gave their word and they didn't keep their word. Um, we view words as being very important. Um, one, one of the, we, thank God we don't swear often. Uh, it's a big problem if you swear and you lie. But in English, if you don't say the word, I swear, we think you can lie. Just ask the politicians. They, they, they walk back their words. They, uh, they have all kinds of nice ways of saying that they lied. You know, the, the famous one, read my lips, no new taxes, right? You know, read my, uh, uh, but it, it, each one, like, we believe that if words should have meaning, if you say something, if you say you'll do something, then you should do it. That's very, I, I didn't swear, I never promised. Uh, does, do you have it in writing? It was never necessary because you, words are what st- distinguish us between the animals. And, uh, 
the people were punished because they didn't keep their word. It's very important that people's words have, have their meaning. And uh, we begin Yom Kippur with Kol Nidre because that means that people weren't always honest with their words. They didn't do what they would say they would do. And so we are aware that we have to, you know, if we promised it, we, so again, in English, if I didn't say I promised, we kind of grew up with that. If you didn't promise, you were allowed to not do what you said you would. Or, you know, now the new thing is you say, you know, you know, maybe, you know, I'll try, right? There's a famous story that, um, I think it was with the Mesholach that he, he was Israeli and he came here and he said, uh, what do the words mean when they say I'll try? And they say it means nothing. Because <laughs> you know, like, uh, you're not committed, right? So, but his words really do have meaning. And so it's because of these oaths and promises that weren't kept. It's a lack of faithfulness. You, people, I, I would just say it's really hard for us because our society allows people to say things that they don't mean. You know, they say words that are not, that they don't really mean the words they say, and they're perfectly fine with that. Well, I told you, but yeah, I changed my mind. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's true, it's not true. I, I said, I did, you know, it's just words. No, it's not just words. Words are who we are. You know, you say words, uh, it, it, people whose words are meaningful, then everything they say is meaningful. So at any rate, Yeshua Yoshua, and the inhabitants unfortunately didn't keep their words. al came Choru Yoshua Therefore, uh, the land has dried out. Uh, lands need to be places of truth. And very few people remain in the land. The grapes are in mourning. Even the grapes aren't what they used to be. Again, you, they, in, in the, uh, when the Jewish people came at the, uh, from Egypt and they, they came to see the grapes, it says that there was like one guy carrying a cluster. It was so big. The grapes that they uh, they were unbelievable. Um, uh, the Gemara makes the statement that the, the fruits don't taste the same from the land of Israel. They're not what they used to be. Like there was, a, they they lost their the flavor. Uh, we thrived with the presence of Hashem in our midst and being in the land there. There was nothing like it. And so everything we have today, it just doesn't taste the same. It's just not the same. Um, uh, but so here it describes the land in mourning and the fruits are in mourning. This, that's this word, avol, and avol is a mourner. Avu tirosh, the grapes are mourning. Umlo uh, gefen, the vines are desolate. And neknu kosim chaylev. And the wine, it brings a certain happiness. Uh, sometimes people tend to be reserved. Uh, and uh, wine, sometimes get people, it helps them calm down. It helps them to be uh, happy. And instead of happiness, uh, it was a time of moaning. That was the description. Shabbos Masos Tufim. Um, you don't hear music anymore. I, I think a, a Tufim is, is that a tambourine or a drum? Um, no more drums. Used to hear people would, uh, uh, the land was just, you know, full of music. Uh, and uh, when people sing, they sing, it's a sign of happiness. Uh, and, and some of the study halls, by the way, they, they teach the, the people who study to sing when they study. And uh, you can actually hear beautiful songs and some, you know, that uh, sometimes it sounds funny because you hear one guy sing, you sing whether you have a good voice or not, but it's a, it's a good sign. A person sings when they're happy, typically. You know, they have a tune or the, and even if they're not happy, the prophets used to sing to get in a good mood. 
you know, Hashem, Hashem gives this song for that purpose to, uh, but it, he said, you don't hear music anymore in the land. Um, you don't hear, apparently they had these string instruments, the harps, you know, since Dov and Hamelok, those were like natural, you know, harps are beautiful. Sometimes at a wedding they bring out a harp, it's beautiful, you know, soft string, like, you know, that, that's, you, he's saying those, those were in the land of Israel, you don't find them. David had them set up at his bed uh, in the palace, and he had a natural alarm when the certain winds would blow at, at the time of the evening. The wind came at the same time each night. It would play the um, you know the string instruments like that. You would, and he would hear that, and he could wake up from that. Uh, but at any rate, uh, Bashir, um, so the 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 harps were quiet. Bashir lo yishtu yain. They don't uh, drink wine with song. Uh, the yema uh, sheker, even the beer, was not what it used to be. The liquor has become bitter. Nishbru kiryas tuhu, the city was broken. Sagar kol bayis mavo, even the houses. They had big houses. The houses are closed up. It's, uh, if you've ever been in cities where the houses are, are, are broken up or desolate, it's a very... It's hard to describe. I've been in parts of Detroit or even Cleveland where they, they're just abandoned. Like, nobody lives there anymore. And it's like, if you're like a Holocaust, you're like, what happened here? You know, like, everybody wants to buy a house. That's a dream. And they, these houses are, like, falling apart. You know, they're boarded up and broken glass and graffiti. It's so sad. Um, the, uh, but that's what it describes at the time of the Corbin. The houses are going to be closed off. Safka alayan bechutzas. And um, people will cry for wine and the outsides, meaning there won't be available. They didn't have other beverages, by the way. They had no Coca-Cola. They had no... Basically, wine was like a common drink then. I don't know if it was alcoholic or not, but it was a common drink. Um, but people will, uh, will cry for wine. Or Kosimka, and there will be a lack of joy. The joy will be gone from the land. Gila Mesosa Oretz. There'll be no happy songs in the land. I, um, uh, when I went to school, I had a teacher who was a Holocaust survivor uh, from, um, I think he was from Lithuania, and we were learning the laws of Kiddush, you know, on Shabbos. And they talk about if you, um, in theory, you could make Kiddush on bread. Many people don't know that if you don't have wine. And I remember one of the students made a comment like, you know, no wine. Who doesn't have wine? You know, it was like, you know, if you don't have wine, you can make Kiddush Friday night on bread on the challah. You say the Kiddush on the challah. And so he liked the students, like one of my fellow students made a comment. And my Rebbe said, he said, growing up, they never saw wine except for Pesach in Lithuania. They couldn't, I don't know if they couldn't afford it or they didn't, uh, it wasn't available, but it was like, you know, Pesach, they had to get wine for the four cups. But other than that, they made Kiddush on Kala all year round. And so, like to us Americans, it was like, well, it's not just wine, it's which kind of wine and grape juice and sparkling wine, sparkling grape juice and red wine or sweet wine. Or, but the, 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 the people are going to be calling out for wine and it's going to be gone. What will be left in the city will be desolation and desertion. And there will be lots of inflation. Um, the um, inflation is not a, a sign, a good sign, by the way. When prices go up, it's a... Um, it's a... Um, <coughs> it's almost like products aren't what you expect them to be. When you, you know, the same thing that last week was this price, next week is that price. 
Um, there, there's a message there. I'm not sure exactly what the message is. Um, it talks about a messianic times there'll be high inflation. You know, that's, uh, but it means that things keep changing and they're not what they used to be. A blessing would mean that things are readily available and they're inexpensive. And then all of a sudden when the same things that you used to buy are expensive, that's not a good sign. Kiko yia bekeravart, this will be besok amim kenokivzayis kaolis. And the people will be amongst the nations, like the beating of the olives. Kaolis, they'll be like solitary, instead of being like um, the branches full of grapes and full of olives, they'll be just like one or two left. Like after the harvest is over, that's how many Jews will be left in the land. Okay. Um, Hema Yisu Kolam, but do not give up. Uh, and there'll be these centuries where there will be um, very few people left, and there'll be like a remnant, and there'll be a bunch of broken houses, uh, you know, ruins in the places. But um, now he gets to the future, the, the happy point, and the, that this is one look of history. There'll be these. Uh, times of uh, where that's happened, but eventually Yisu Kolam, their voices will pick up. Yeronina will be singing happy songs again. Begon Hashem in the greatness of Hashem. And the future miracles will be even greater than the miracles when we left Mitzrayim, than when we left Egypt. Just like when we left Egypt, it didn't happen easily, but it came with great miracles. In the future, uh, there'll be great miracles. Uh, one of the ideas are we believe that um, you know we we left uh, with the base of Migdash was destroyed and we went into exile and we knew we were coming back and uh, people especially you know when the Zionists came they said no we know you know it's not, it's it's a dream it's not going to work and uh, you know what we're back in our time we came back <laughs> now not everything is perfect we have lots to work to do but. Um, and uh, it took a lot of miracles to come back. There were great wars. But we believe that the potential, um, we live in a world where there's difficulties and trouble, and we believe that at some point, uh, in, ideally, mankind will make a turn for the good. And it can either start from below or from above, meaning that we on our own, if enough people return to Hashem, it can start a revolution where many people will return to Hashem and come close to Hashem, and Hashem will say, okay, no more world wars, no more evil, no more fighting, you know, I'm going to stand Mashiach. That's one way it could happen. Or it could be that we'll hit the end of time, and Hashem will say, okay, you know, I waited for the, you know, ever since the Garden of Eden, you haven't gotten it right. <laughs> you know, you started from the very beginning, I told you not to eat from the tree, you ate from the tree, you made mistakes. Uh, we're still making mistakes, so it's time to be finish this particular experiment, and we will now begin the next era, you know, where Hashem will send. So Mashiach can come either way. Uh, but um, when uh, that happens, um, we, um, the question is that there are, are prophecies about certain things happening before the Mashiach will come. And so the um, what the, the people have said is that all of the prophecies have happened already. Like it could be we were waiting for certain things to happen, whether they were bad or they were good. They've happened already. So in theory, 
he could be here any moment. You know, that's, uh, I think the Chavetz Chaim said that after World War I, little did he know World War II would happen. In other words, there's, this, there's about the wars of Gog and Magog uh, and that there'll be wars in Eretz Israel uh, and that there'll be terrorism. All of that was predicted. And it could be that it could have happened and it could be the generation wasn't worthy of it. It wasn't the ideal time. And each generation has that potential to make it happen. Uh, but where we're standing in history, it's all happened already. So we really, it could just, it could just happen. We could just wake up, you know, the, uh, it, could, it could, you know, there, there's still, we need big changes. There's a lot of evil in the world. There's a lot of, there's still wars going on. There's still, but it could change very quickly. But you really can't say that, well, Mashiach can't come. There are too many things, that, prophecies that, you know, like before the 70 years were up, you know, we didn't expect to go back. But, you know, the 70 years are up, so to speak. The things in history that have needed to happen before Mashiach could come have technically already happened. The Jews have been scattered. The land is lied fallow. There's really nothing holding back other than those circumstances that Hashem wants. In the ideal world, it would be a return to Hashem that would, would bring Mashiach. That would be the best way to, you know, if, if we on our own, would the world would be developed with love, that, you know, all of a sudden, you know, there's this great, you know, return to Hashem and love and fixing of that. But uh, we're, we're, we're kind of waiting for that. Um, but we don't have to wait for any of the sad prophecies to take place. Um, some people would say the birth pangs. You know, we know that uh, the most beautiful, amazing thing is birth. You know, create a child, you know, what, what could... But it, it, it doesn't come easy. It comes with birth pangs. And so we're, we're, the sages in the Gemara were a little bit afraid of messianic times because they knew there would be great upheavals. But uh, the, the belief is, and again, going even from the Chafetz Chaim in our times, was that we've had all the birth pangs. We've had all the labor pains. We don't need to have more, <laughs> which is good news, which means that we don't... So we're going to describe some of the, uh, more of the birth pangs, but we're already at a point in history where we can say that they happened already, or we hope that they happened and we don't need to finish off anymore. That would be the hope. Uh, but the, the people that were alive, certainly after the world wars, we're hoping that those were the messianic birth pangs. Now, just like with labor, you know, when the person feels one, they hope that's the last one, and then comes the next one, right? That's that comes along pretty quick after one after another, right? But uh, uh, that may be true. We don't know, but that's kind of the description of of this is what we've heard. So it's it's describing the original awakening uh, towards the messianic time, the Knafa Orts Zemiros from the edges of the earth. We hear songs. Um, it'll come because of the righteous. There'll be righteous people. Um, so some people will be hoping for the Mashiach, the Omar, but it might not be time, let, time yet because Razi Li, Razi Li, which sometimes means it's my secret. Why hasn't Mashiach come? Oili Bogdim Bogdu, Ubeged Bogdim Bogdu. Again, I told you this is poetic. I, I, the English here is very funny. Treacherous have dealt with treachery, with the treachery of the treacherous have they dealt treacherously. I don't know why the art scroll uh, chose to use those words, uh, but the Hebrew is a little better. Bogdim bogdu begid bogdim bogdu. People have, people, um, 
the people will throw off, the word boged means to rebel. The people will rebel against, um, we live in a time, you know, where the, the people rebel against everything that came before them. One of the reasons that people wear very bright hair is because they want to rebel. They want it to be different. They want it to be outrageous. Like nobody would have considered wearing, you know, spray painting their hair with a bright color. Like who would, you know, maybe I'm Purim, but it, it's just, but today you even meet, I'm shocked where you even meet like, like older people, like, you know, or that are just, you know, that'll, you know, have like bright, I, I don't, I, I didn't notice anybody has bright hair here. I have nothing against it. It's become the style. If, if you think it's pretty, people can have whatever they like. I'm not, a, but part of it is, that they want to be different than what came before them. And so if nobody before them thought of piercing their nose and wearing a nose ring or their tongue, so I'm going to do it. And if nobody thought of putting uh, tattoos on their face, I'm going to do it because I want to rebel against whatever anybody thought was not, pro- was, uh, not proper, not appropriate. Was, that's exactly what I want to do. And people use, there their are words that we would have been ashamed to hear that are in, in songs and that are said by, there were politicians that got fired if in private they cursed. Today, they say it in the microphone. It's unbelievable. That they, but that's part of this rebellion. It's really, I'm convinced of that, that that's a, there's this in the air that people, well, you know, I'm going to use words that you would have considered offensive before. I'm going to use those words <laughs> and I'm going to use them in, in, in uh, wide open. And the more outrageous, um, and I believe that to some extent, the idea that a man would want to look like a woman or a woman would look like a man, there's a certain rebellion there. I don't have to be politically correct. I, I don't even know what's politically correct. It doesn't really matter to me. I, what I'm just trying to point out is that he's describing that the, before the Messianic times, there'll be this rebellion, that rebels will rebel. Uh, there's the idea that uh, the original rebellion was, Hashem said, you can eat from any tree in the forest over here, except for one. What happened? We ate from that one. Um, the word for rebellion, uh, uh, Begida, is actually the same word as clothing. Uh, clothing were given to us. Originally, we didn't need clothing. And uh, because of our sins, then we, we had to wear clothing. Now, the, really, we wear clothing because we'll be cold if we don't wear clothing. And it, uh, also, we have things to cover up. We don't necessarily want everybody to see what we would look like without clothing. But why is it that we have things to cover up? And why is it? I mean, animals don't have to wear clothing. Hashem gives them uh, their, their body, the animals are strong enough that they can be warm in the winter and cool in the summer. They don't, they don't have, because Hashem felt that because we were so powerful, uh, we became arrogant to rebel against Hashem. And so he made us weaker that we would have to wear clothing to, uh, to survive and show that we have things that we need to cover up, that we have parts of us that are rebellious. And so because we were, I'm just pointing out the word begid, which means rebel is the same word for begid, which is clothing. But this Pusik here mentions it five times. Bogdim, bugdu, begid, bogdim, bugdu. Five rebellions. Um, he says her, here it refers to the Jews will suffer under five different kingdoms, Babylonia, Media, Persia, Greece, and Edom. Okay. But Pachad, again, it's going through the exile. 
Um, and he, the verses go back and forth between the exile and the future redemption. Pachad pachas pach alecha People will live in fear, uh, and they'll be afraid of falling in the pit. I don't know what that pit is. Sometimes Gehenna is described as a pit, like a, a, a like a hole that people fall through. They fall in a hole. You know, when you fall in a hole, it's hard to, to get out of it. That's that's the problem with a hole. If you fall down, you stand up. But if you fall in a hole, then you you know. And people that hear the sounds, they'll like fall down. But only and those that get out of the pit will be trapped. There'll be all kinds of traps. Most in the land, uh, the foundations will be broken. The land will be uh, like crumbling and breaking apart. Poor his poro eretz, and it'll uh, it'll crumble. Motis motitua eretz. There'll be all these calamities on the land. Noah tenua eretz, and there'll be like a wandering. He calls it to totter. Kashikr, like it's drunk. When people have real troubles, they they look like people that have drunk a lot because they are drunk from troubles, so to speak. Like they they, they can't think rationally. And the water recover la pish of enough will tosif come. And uh they'll weigh on them and some people will fall down and they won't be able to get up. And uh when uh the people hit rock bottom they will be then they're gonna rise up. And that's often and I was like after the Holocaust then they'll be coming back to Israel. Then they can when when people get humbled finally or they, they turn to Hashem. It'll be on that day when whatever punishments or the the world or the land needed to go through. Um some people see this as like the final battle, the the, the final war. Um anybody that's uh, sees a war Real war is really bad. It's really awful. Like the some people feel like that uh, uh, the people that send people to war don't know what war is. And war is the it's it's really unimaginable. Uh, we, we're reading a little bit about this Ukraine war because uh, it's happening in our times. But it's it's um, uh, you know it's it's really uh, really awful. But when we reach that stage uh, that we turn to Hashem, it'll be on that day. Hashem will. Uh, now you might say, well, where's Hashem's army? Hashem has a heavenly army. That's the he goes to the tzva, the heavenly. They call it the heavenly host. Uh, but he'll get his from up high. He has all these. He has plenty of messengers that will when they're waiting for the signal. Al Malchi Adama Al Adama that will uh, take charge of all the kings that are down here on the earth. and he will gather people together. Um, some people will be imprisoned. Some people will be let out. Um, and Hashem will remember after many days, the, He'll remember people, meaning that sometimes we feel like Hashem has forgotten us or uh, Hashem will remember us. This is an interesting passage, especially today is Rosh Chodesh. It says the following, the moon will be embarrassed, and the sun will be embarrassed. Now, some people say these are the people that worship the sun and the moon. That there, there are many religions in the old days that were star, that worshipped the sun or the moon. And uh, when they realize Hashem's in charge, they'll be embarrassed. Um, other people learn that there are certain natural responsibilities that we have, and the sun and the moon are considered 
like the uh, the sun never rebels. That like it rises every morning, and thank God, you know, if the sun just decided to leave its orbit, we would all disappear very quickly. Oh, and the moon as well. And so they are described as being like faithful to the 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 rotation and the orbit, and um, uh, it describes that. Uh, the world that we live in will be, there'll be an embarrassment that we haven't lived up to what we should be. Because Hashem, who's the true king, uh, you know, people worship the sun and the moon, but they, uh, at this time, at this end of history, people will come to appreciate the true king, the one who is in charge of it all. On the Mount Zion, Ubi Zekenov. Uh, kavod. And um, uh, Hashem will be honored and the sages, the elders who have all along stuck to the good ways, they also will be honored. And so it finishes off um, on a good note, which is good. We always like that. To, um, again, we have this picture of the centuries of Eretz Yisrael being desolate and the people spread out and the land mourning, and the grapes mourning, and, uh, and again, if you ever read stories about people that traveled through Israel, and uh, up until the 1920s, it was like that. The land was mourning, the people were scattered, um, and then you read about uh, the rebelliousness, you read about uh, the people had different stations, and it just happens that people want to look down at others. You know, well, they're, they're, the new, you know, they're the newcomers, we're the old, you know, who are they? We're the old timers, we've been here before, you know, we're somehow better. You know, Hashem doesn't like stations, you know. It's, uh, the, everybody will be the great equalizer when they go to Gullis. And um, uh, that's all described here in a very uh, poetic and beautiful way. And uh, like I said, it's, this, it doesn't take much to see that uh, these events ha- having happened, uh, in history, we really hope that we're done with it. You know, that's really our, our uh, hope that uh, any of the bad things that needed to happen or where prophecies would happen, there's plenty of bad things that happened that certainly fit, fit the pattern. We're just waiting for uh, this, um, uh, this coming together, this meeting of the minds, the great tshuva uh, that uh, could begin with a very few people uh, that will turn to Hashem or the... And again, we don't know at some point in history, if we don't make it happen down here, Hashem will make it happen uh, up there. And it's Hashem speedily in our times. And, uh, you know, I get to retire. We could hear from Yeshayahu himself when he uh, comes back. That would be 